Hello, Pastor Deborah here. Welcome again to another wonderful episode of my life in the story called It's Time. We are in the wonderful playlist here on the YouTube channel, The Hidden Kingdoms, called The School of Light. I cover many different topics in this School of Light playlist, and this one is called The Kingdom of Agape Love, volume number one. Years ago, I went through some stuff. I had experiences. I was going from being a licensed clinical mental health counselor, helping you the way of the mental health counseling way, to being a global spiritual pastor, shepherd, mother, teacher, prophet, priest, evangelist, and helping you the Lord's way. My journey was long, powerful, and in the school of light here, I am going through many of my powerful stories of how one individual, me, was changed from a helping you the way of the world to helping people the deep spiritual way, the Lord's way. This story, It's Time, I wrote over many nights. I would be waking up by the Lord himself, and he would write it through me. He had a story to tell of one life's transformation. The story evolved over years and years, even though I did not know it. I did not know I was being transformed. I had heard about new birth. I had heard about becoming a new creature in Christ after you believed in him, didn't know what it meant, had no idea. So in this story called It's Time, you are learning about the who I was, how I became to be as Jan, how Jan offered to sacrifice herself and die so you could find the greatest gift of all, agape love, and how Pastor Deborah was born, how it was tested and tried on an altar with a knife coming down to kill me. I have walked close to death many, many times. This journey on helping you, the Lord's way, was going to be dangerous. I didn't know that when I was getting started. Just mental health counseling wasn't really that dangerous. Unless you worked in psychiatric hospitals. Or you happened to be around a, a person who had sort of lost it which I had, I had taken guns off people in church, taken machetes off of people in church. I have been attacked in waiting rooms. I have been attacked at home, Walmart parking lot, in my dreams. I have been poisoned, shot at, have assignments of death, against me I've been falsely accused by a precious young woman of sexual abuse on a child 
I have lost jobs, friends, been kicked out of LBGTQI churches just for loving the people. I've had domestic violence at home. I've taken in wonderful homeless people, and they have proceeded to attack me with scissors to kill me in my own living room. I've had things stolen from me, my credit card, money. I've been threatened, been almost kidnapped. A lot was coming against me, and I didn't know why at the time. But I learned, you start helping people the Lord's way, not the way of mental health counseling. And you are fighting to set captives free of an unknown enemy. He's coming after you. So here in this section, this is going to be part number eight of the story called It's Time. We still have a long way to go in this story. I hope you follow it out because it has a lot, many years of work in it in my life. You too, when transformation starts happening, it will take a while. But it's well worth it. And this story is to help you see it from the beginning through its process to its end and how you too can be born one way and still need to be transformed into a new creature in Christ Jesus who went to the cross stayed on the cross went into hell and on the third day he got up you go ask those Roman soldiers Roman soldiers were wonderful people The soldiers were not allowed to lie, but they were bribed. They were bribed by the religious leaders of the day in Jerusalem to say that the followers of this Christ Jesus came and rolled away the stone and stole his body. Because they knew the prophecy that this young man or this man who had said he was the Christ, the son of the living God, would rise on the third day. It happened. The Roman soldiers saw it. They were there when the stone rolled. When the angel came. Scared them. And they ran to the priest. So don't you always trust religious leaders. Sometimes you need to trust a soldier. Who is trained. To do battle. They were there. They were the first ones. They saw the angel. They saw the stone rolled away. I'm sure they were frozen in fear. Maybe even Jesus spoke to them and said, Hello, I'm back. Don't know. But it's, mm-hmm. But you that believe he has not returned yet, you need to go find those Roman soldiers. And you need to compare what they saw with their own eyes compared to what the Jewish religious leaders did not see with their eyes, but wanted you to believe was the truth through bribery of the soldiers. So that was a little tidbit of history there for you. 
Well, let's get to part number eight of this story called It's Time in the School of Light. First, I want to give Google free clip art a wonderful thank you. That's where this picture is coming from. Please know I do not use a green screen behind me, so things happen around my hair. I point my hand, it disappears, and I might be fuzzy. I've tried all kinds of green screens, big ones, professional ones, homemade ones, ones that fit on your chair. Nothing works. I am hoping that one day Zoom Pro will have a wonderful program that will help us not have to have green screens. And it's sort of built into the program. So we're not so fuzzy. And I want to thank Zoom Pro, who I'm recording through. I'm using a blue Yeti microphone and a Logatron camera. And I'm using a gaming computer. I love the gaming computers because they are fast. And they hold a lot of video. So I use them. Not a regular laptop. I don't like those touch screens either. It's just too. I use a little finger, you know, on the little keyboard. Don't even have a standalone. Don't use a mouse. Don't use one of those phones either. I've just got a flip phone. So I'm kind of still not quite up to all of you guys with the high tech. But I'm 71. I'm doing all right. I had to learn how to record and look into a camera and be in the Garden of Eden spiritually and talk to you right through the camera. I used to look down back this way, down my hallway. I would stand up with an easel and a board on it and talk to you like I was in a classroom. And that was great for a while. But my knees got started hurting. And then there was so much behind me. I've learned that you are a visual learner and to use pictures. That will help you visualize something you can't see. And not to clutter up your vision. I've learned how to just wear solid colors with a nice little necklace and some lipstick. I try to teach people. I want to thank David Muir from ABC News, World News Tonight. He shows us how to be a professional reporter. How to look good on camera. How to keep your body fit. Wear a solid black shirt. Nice white around the neck. He's always been my inspiration as far as professional look. And I try to tell a lot of women especially. They wear some horrible, horrible stuff. And they don't really want to look good and they don't want to talk right. And I've watched a lot of videos on YouTube to teach me about makeup. My hair. This is natural. I don't roll it. I don't curl it. I just put some water on it. I try to eat right so my skin stays good. I stay out of the sun. I don't get sunburned. I got to go way into my hundreds before I'm out of here. So I try to stay healthy. So thank you, David Muro of ABC World News Tonight. You are an inspiration because of your professional dress for me to look at you. I don't want to see you so much. I want to see you in it. But I don't want to see you competing with the stories. So here I am just sort of the host of this picture. This picture, as I said, I use some from Pixabay. They're motion videos. I have some motion videos from Google Free Clip Art. This one is representing something coming down out of heaven. 
transformation coming to me. Because that represents what the story is about. The spiritual transformation of Pastor Deborah. On the inside. Both my spirit, called the forever person. And there's a lot on the playlist of the School of Light and the mental health. About the forever person and mental health counseling. I can talk about both realms because I've been in them. There's a lot to learn. I love the world of mental health counseling. They're trying to help you. The counselors, psychiatrists, the doctors, the nurses, even the medicine. They are trying to help your biological brain and your thoughts. Calm down. Think clearly. Make good decisions. I love them. They're wonderful helping people. All the doctors and nurses, administrators. They want you to be better and healthy. I was there. I was a part of that world. And then I was taken out of it to learn how to help people the Lord's way, the spiritual way. So that's what this video is about and this teaching. So let's pick up in the story called It's Time, story number 28, part number 8. But first, let's open with prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this transformation of Pastor Deborah, and for helping me write my story and tell it here on this video for all to listen to and learn and see what spiritual transformation looks like, what becoming a new creature in Christ looks like. And it can be done even while someone is on planet Earth and alive. We hear many testimonies, Father, about people changing their thoughts, their feelings, their ideas, even after they go to prison or bad things have happened to them. We hear that you can change. You can be different. You can think different, feel different, have a different nature and identity inside. Thank you, Father, for helping me to tell my story about you helping me to die and live again. Thank you. This is your story of how you help people become transformed, become new in Christ, in you, and how you are the author and the finisher of all these architectural changes inside. I thank you. For helping me tell your story. Called It's Time. In the name of Christ Jesus. Amen. We're picking up in the story. Where Jan had started going to. The Brownsville Assembly of God. Global Revival. In Pensacola, Florida. And we were picking up in the year about 1996. I had been going probably for almost a year to this global revival with Steve Hill, the evangelist, and the pastor of the Brownsville Assembly of God Church, Pastor John Kilpatrick. Steve Hill had been touched mightily in Argentina, saw the power of God, saw demonic spirits manifest in people. He had never seen that. The Assemblies of God did not believe that Christians could have these things in them. 
but Steve saw otherwise. Pastor Kilpatrick's story is his heart was desiring more of the Lord. He had a big church, thousand members. He's on television in a show called It's Time in Times Like These. People were getting saved. They were joining the church. But he wasn't satisfied. He'd been hearing from Steve in Argentina. There's more to God. There's more. There's a whole lot more. And Pastor John had seen some of it when he was a young man. He had used to have prayer nights in his church as a young boy and saw angels. But that had slowly dissipated when he got into the denomination called Assemblies of God. He was a great teacher, preacher, good-looking young man, happily married, two kids, two boys. He was on television here, had a thousand-member church, but his heart was not satisfied. So him and Steve were good friends. Steve was just infectious about the power of God, and there was more. So Steve came to Brownsville Assembly of God on Father's Day, 1995, to preach because Pastor Kilpatrick's mother had passed away, and he was her only son and child. And he was still emotionally devastated and couldn't preach. So on Father's Day morning, God broke out through Steve. Steve was a wild stallion with the presence of God. The church was ready. Pastor John had obeyed God for two years, preached on revival, changed Holy Communion night to Sunday, had prayer banners created, had prayer nights. He lost members, but he was going after this God. He was obeying God, even had to humble himself because he was a very prideful man, very good looking, great looking on TV, good teacher, good preacher. He wasn't a political person within the assemblies, but he had a presence. He was tall, dark and handsome, we'll say. Well-liked, but he had a lot of pride. God told him one night, if you don't humble yourself, I will have to pass you by. God was working in that young man, working in Steve. He had a plan. Pastor Deborah did not know that. She was in Pensacola, but never knew it. So sometimes God is ahead of us. He is working through other people. He's working. He needs a team. He needs to have people. And you look back through history. Even this young man named Paul. He had gone to school. He was a rabbi. He worked in the system. He worked for the rabbinical school. He was sort of like a policeman. He was well-learned. He was educated, could read and write. He was a grown man. That was one part of the story for Paul. He was there to help the Jewish believers stay on track. Then you had the Jewish leaders. Then you had the common people. Then you had Jesus Christ, who came in the fullness of time. You had Jesus Christ's disciples. One of them was named Timothy. Or Stephen. Might have been Stephen. One of them. And what happened was, after Christ Jesus was put on a cross by the Jewish leaders, who turned him over, 
that he was a false teacher. Because the Jewish leaders were wanted to stay in power. So they had buddied up with and got close to the Roman government to Pilate. So what happened? Jesus Christ goes on the cross. Doesn't stay there. Doesn't stay in the tomb. Gets up three days later. He comes back and he shows himself in a glorified form to his believers. Stephen was one of them. And Stephen started going around Jerusalem teaching and preaching about this risen Lord. Well, this was upsetting the Jewish leaders. So they sent out Paul to go into people's homes, arrest them, beat them. And you'll see how that's played out later when you see the Spanish Inquisition from the Roman Catholic Church. When you were a Catholic and you sort of got touched and and started believing differently, became a protester, a Protestant, not believing that you could get saved through all the rituals, but just by faith, as, as Martin Luther had taught, the Catholic Church would come after you. You were a traitor. They had inquisitions. The biggest one we know about in history is the Spanish Inquisition. They would take you as a Catholic, as a believer, torture you. Because you were no longer believing their way. So in the story with Paul, he was one of those in the bad guys that would capture you, torture you, and abuse you. Because you were no longer following the Jewish religion. You now were believing that only Christ Jesus was Lord. You were following him. So Paul was a, was a bad guy. He was coming after you. He's going to set you straight. He's going to arrest you, beat you, kill you. Because you were threatening the Jewish religion of the priest. You were, you were threatening the system. The money coming in. The power and authority of these religious leaders. So, sometimes God has to have a lot of players in place, and the fullness of time has to come. So, in Paul's case, what happened was this young man, Stephen, was taken captive. And they took him out to an area and stoned him to death. And as the people who were stoning him took their robes off, they handed them to Paul, and he held them. Paul was the instigator. This is how you took care of these religious traitors. You stoned them to death. And there on his knees, he looked up. This young man, Stephen, I think was his name, saw Christ Jesus in the spirit. And he did not blame these people. Paul heard these words. And the effect, the transformation was beginning. When you are being transformed, you need a, something outside of what you normally believe in and the system you're in to have touch you. You need to see things and hear things. Be a part of something. You'll be challenged on what you believe. That's what happened to Paul. He saw this. 
God was starting to work in Paul. Transformation. And then Paul is given assignment because there were some Jewish believers in another city that were doing the same thing. And the Jewish religious leaders were afraid that this infectious traitorism was spreading. So Paul volunteered to go and arrest them, beat them, like you would see in the Spanish Inquisition, and stop this from spreading. So on his way, I think it was maybe to Damascus, he was on a horse or a camel or something. Something struck him. Was it a lightning bolt? Was it a power surge? Something knocked him flat to the ground. And when and talked to him, he heard a voice. He said there was a bright light. When his fellow travelers got to him, he was blind. His eyes were covered over. Couldn't see. They had to help him into the town. And for three days, he lay blind. Because he was a powerful man, some of us had to have powerful conversion experiences. We had to be knocked on our butts, blinded. And then God spoke to a young man in Damascus, I think was the town, to go and lay his hands on Paul and pray for him to be healed because God had chosen him. Well, this young man was scared because he knew Paul was uh, may attack him and arrest him. But he went, laid hands on Paul, prayed for Paul, and the cloud and the blindness lifted off. And during those three days, who knows what went on with Paul? Was God talking? Some of us have to have a powerful, powerful, earthly experience. Arrested. Stopped in our tracks, so to speak. Maybe thrown into jail or prison. Before we will listen. When his eyes opened, Paul believed that Christ Jesus was the Lord. He was the Messiah, the King, that they had heard was coming. But he was different now. And he tried to go back into the system and get permission by the religious leaders, the disciples. And they weren't going to give it. They were jealous of Paul. They were kind of frightened because of his other identity, that he was faking it. He was a spy. So they put him off for about eight years. He stayed in his hometown, teaching and preaching. Well, finally, he said, no, I was called by God to go out into the world. Paul could read and write, which is real important. He was not married, so he could be free to go. Didn't have any children. And God had a plan for him. He was going to be an evangelist, an apostle, prophet, a teacher, a sent one. Into nations that were dark, that nobody had been to. Paul was not afraid because he had a powerful touch, interaction. And how God opened up the word to him, he took him into the Arabia, the deserts. For three years, God and Paul talked. 
God opened up the Bible to him, the Old Testament. That's what Paul knew and showed him the New Testament and all the predictions and prophecies out of the Old Testament and who this Christ Jesus was, was just God and Paul. Sometimes you just need time away with the Bible. Nobody else. And God did a wonder in him. You study Paul. Study his life. And the powerful transformation. Best that ever was going through that. Powerful transformation. Total different set of ideas and concepts of how to help people. Now, Pastor Deborah was a lot like Paul. I had a military background. I was tough. I grew up in the Air Force as an Air Force daughter. I was around officers from all over the world. Military generals. Soldiers. Guns. Bayonets. Bombers. Pilots. I walked among the generals of the Air Force. The young officers I went to graduate school with. I was around and took the second in command of the South Vietnam military during Vietnam's war. The general, can't remember his name. He wanted to go see the beach. I've never seen the white sands. So I took him in my car to Panama City, Florida, the second in command. We had bodyguards around us. I was around people from Greece, Italy, England, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, Turkey, Germany, educated men, pilots, bombers, Many people watch wonderful airplanes. I watched the Thunderbirds. My dad had a blue officer uniform. I grew up in the Air Force. Married a Navy master chief. Used to fly. Was in photography. A military soldier. So I understood Paul. Fighting for a cause. Fighting to protect. Going after bad guys. So in this story called It's Time, that was who I was. That was the basic. But I had created an identity. I had disassociated and had formed Jan in the fifth grade. I didn't know that I was Deborah. That was my first name. But I'd never been called it. It had been Deb. D-E-B or Debbie. But in the fifth grade, I announced myself by my own free will. I am Jan. That was my middle name. Why? I wanted to be different. So Jan is up. Jan is alive. And Jan gets called, led to Brownsville Assembly of God Church, Pensacola, Pensacola, Florida, July 1995. And that's where we're going to pick up in part number eight. Then after about a year of being in Brownsville, just as a 
sort of visitor. I'd go to the church service, the prayer meetings. I was in church seven nights a week. And I was getting prayer, laying on the floor for two and a half hours every night. Hearing from Steve, get the sin out, come down to this altar, let God clean you up and touch you. I saw some stuff that I, I couldn't even talk about it to anybody. It's unbelievable. Studied revival. It's Great Awakening. The Welsh Revival. I studied. I looked at history. So in 1996, Jan, he named, applied to be on the revival's altar team. That was a part of the prayer team. That's where once the altar call is given by Steve to come forward, give your life to God or get the sin out, is what we heard. And after a few minutes, a prayer team person would come with a little book, pray with you, hand you the little book, and then you'd go back to your seat. So I thought I could do that. I had never real I had been in youth choirs, Sunday school. So I knew about volunteering in church but I didn't think that this God that had been touching me I wasn't qualified for him to come through me I wasn't a pastor or a leader I was just a lonely nobody so I volunteered though to be on the altar worker team but to my surprise I was actually applying to be on the prayer team And be an altar worker at the same time. I learned. After my interview. That I. And during my interview. Which shocked me. I was applying. applying To be on the prayer team. They asked me my. Personal salvation experience. When I was born again. Blah 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 blah. Well it was about a week later. I get a phone call on a Friday night. Or Friday afternoon. I was approved. By the pastor himself at that time, he was approving everybody. He would look over our information, pray over it, and I'm sure God talked to him. And God said, get her. So I got the call, so I came. We had a dress coat. We had to wear, we wore dresses. We had to wear a jacket, nothing low cut or anything. We had to have Tic Tacs, you know, so our breath would smell good. We couldn't be rough. We couldn't yell at people. We were a non-denominational working unit in a non-denominational event. It was not an assembly of God event. It was a non-denominational event. We had people on the prayer team from many different denominations, many different colors, many different races. Steve would come in every night while we, after we had prayed and had our announcements to pray with us, talk to us, He was the one God was moving through. He was the one that God had set on fire. That was lighting all of us up. We were sort of under him. So. God was going to move through me. Oh boy was I scared. I had never had it happen. I had been a receiver. But I didn't think. I was qualified. For God to move through me. So that was one level of transformation. You must believe you are a receiver, which I remain that and still do, but that God will move through you too, not just through the pastors, 
not through Steve, not through John Kilpatrick, not through these other people, but through you. And a lot of us don't believe that we are worthy, that God would use us because we didn't go to Bible school. We don't have a degree. We're not on the platform. We're not on staff. We're not married. We're just a regular person. That's what I thought, that God had other plans. So I was approved to be on the prayer team. Transformation was occurring. I had to think differently in myself, that God would move through me. Even though I had been receiving this power, I would get a prayer like this. We were taught pray right here. You don't look at their eyes. You look here and say, touch them, Lord. And Pastor Deborah always went down. I lost all my physical strength. God was then moving. My eyes could not open. I could hear everything. I could not move. The peace that came on me was like a heroin addict with the first dose, first shot of heroin. I wasn't that joyful. I was at peace. I would get waves and waves and waves of this glory stuff. We called it the glory blanket. And they would, when we laid out on the floor, there was a person from the prayer tent. They'd cover you with a prayer cloth. They'd cover you from about here down, even the men. They didn't want any kind of sexual stuff happening or to be seen. We had cameras on us all the time. We were being videotaped. Then eventually we had ABC News come, 2020. Russia, Germany, France, Korea. other We were on camera. We had to dress up. We had to have clean, pure breath. We were close up to you. There are many times later on I'd have to take your chewing gum away from you. I'd have to, you would come up holding your spouse's hand and I'd break you up because God wanted to touch you individually. Some people would come up, what you call it, praying in tongues. Stop. You don't have to beg God for anything. He's here. He wants to touch you. We didn't say, we just would say, touch him, Lord. God knew what I needed. So here, I had been on the receiving end of touch him. Touch her, Lord. And not a conduit for it. I was shocked. I was chosen. Transformation was happening. Little by little. And guess what? God used me. God started moving through me. I used to sweat and shake. God was moving through me, Jan. I didn't know if he was coming out from me, from the Holy Spirit who was in me, or coming upon me and through me. At that time, I didn't know enough. I would shake, sweat. And how I learned what this was like was watching the movie and reading the book about Jeremiah. When the Lord came upon him, when he was about to sacrifice a baby lamb, and God wanted to speak through him to the people, 
about the sacrifice and the king. Jeremiah sort of went into a trance. And they said the fire of God came on him. And God spoke through him. Afterwards, Jeremiah said it was like there was a fire in his bones in him. He sweated. God sort of took over. And the power of God came through him. And that's what I experienced. And I remember that my first time I went out, I had a partner. They would stand behind the person to catch them. And I prayed, please, God, move through me to touch the people. I wanted you to be touched. I had experienced it for about a year. I wanted you to feel his presence, his power, his love, his peace. I wanted you to receive like I had been receiving. So sometimes you first have to receive to know what you need to pass on. I had been a receiver first, touched by God. God had talked to me. I could hear him, see him. He'd cleansed me in a river. There's a story about that called being cleansed for the Lord. He told me to do his work. I go, I know what your work is. I'm to get on staff at a church. He said, do my work. I didn't know what it meant. You read that in my story called Do My Work. God will cleanse you. You need a lot of cleansing spiritually. Even though I was born again, believed in God since I was three. But I was dirty from the world. Jan needed cleaning up. But while he's doing that, Deborah's getting touched. I didn't know Deborah was there. So here I am. I'm on the prayer team. Praying for people. Touch them, Lord. You would go down. I was shaking, shivering, sweating. The fire of God was coming out from the Holy Spirit through me. It was a powerful experience to behold. Transformation was happening. See, I was not on staff. I had not gone to Bible school. I was just a regular old person like you. So why would God move through me? I've had no training. But I learned a lot by going to this revival. 99.999% of you have never went to it or never been involved in it, never seen the presence and the power of God come into your town, come into your church. This was orchestrated. There seemed to be some prophecy that God would come to Pensacola, pour out his spirit. A lot of times it's done in your dreams and you're changed. It's done when you're in the hospital, in prisons, in jails, in life and death situations. God chooses all kinds of ways to reach out to us. Sometimes we don't even know it's him. But here this was. Every night. So now I am reaching. I have volunteered 
to have God move through me to touch you. Jan, believe it or not, was being touched. But Deborah was arising, who I didn't know yet. But now I'm just in a time of awakening with God. I saw angels. I saw stuff. I saw witchcraft, demonic spirits, power of God, the fire of God. I saw things that mental health counseling would say, you need a straight jacket and you're going straight to the psychiatric hospital. We're going to have to put you on medication. Demons became real to me in people. I saw physical bodies change. People barking like dogs, hissing like cats. I saw people's biological eyes turn into a cat's eyes. I saw people's eyes roll back in their head. People go into trances with the death look on them. Some slithering on the ground, barking like dogs. The whole, my whole mental health counseling viewpoint was being shaken to its core. Because Jan was the one who was a mental health counselor, not Pastor Deborah. Little did I know of the ministry that would lay ahead for me with you and with God. So God sometimes starts in strange ways. But he always has a goal. It's to complete Isaiah 61. 60. Isaiah 60, 61, and 62 in your life. To give you a Hebrews 4.12, a spiritual circumcision. Get you ready. Transform you. Whatever you are today, he wants it gone. He wants a new you to come up. He wants your transformation. He wants you to willingly get on a cross. Later on, many, many years ago, I actually had a spiritual experience of being in Christ on the cross and dying. You'll have to have that one day. Right now here in Jan's story, (laughs) she don't know anything except God's moving through her. No idea I was going to be called into a global ministry or be with you here on YouTube. God moves with us slowly, little by little. He needs who you are now to be transformed into the you he desires for you to be. Isaiah 61, Isaiah 60 and 62. I had to learn from a young man named Dr. Miles Monroe from the Bahamas Faith Ministry about me as a king of the kingdom of heaven. Sit under him for years. Watched him on my laptop computer. He's in heaven now. Read all of his books. Because see, he had set in a colony of England. He understood royalty, kings, queens. He understood kingdoms. But that was years later. But right now, I am just discovering that God would move through me 
myself. I had no pastoral training, no Bible school. I was a licensed clinical mental health counselor trying to help you. And now my life is being changed slowly, night by night. I went to this revival for years. I did not participate in local things going on in the community. Never watched television. Soap operas came and went and television show. Just read my Bible. I would watch Bible movies. I had been, like Paul, out in the deserts of Arabia with just God. In this Brownsville Assembly of God revival with evangelist Steve Hill, Jan heard every night from him that God had a plan for your life. But you had to get right with God at the altar so he could touch you and get you on your way. Steve would tell us God is in a hurry while you are playing out there. People are dying and going to hell. And he told his personal story about this and the guilt he carried. God had told Steve when he was in Argentina to go by and visit this man who was going to hell. And Steve put it off, he said. Couldn't find the time, just was always busy building a church, doing God's work, building a church building, and he never went by. And when Steve finally got around to it, the man was dead. And there was a black reef on the door. God spoke to him. You're going to carry the guilt. You didn't do what I told you to do. This man's in hell now. And Steve felt so bad, so guilty. For months, he carried the guilt. Because he didn't do what he was told to do. A man went to hell because of it. And he said, he told us, Don't be like I was. If God tells you to go speak to somebody, call somebody, you do it. Now, God eventually forgave Steve because he was going to use him up here at Brownsville. So we heard that God was in a hurry. And I knew that. People all over the world were dying every day, every minute, every hour, going to hell. He needed workers, evangelists, missionaries. He needed people to pray. God was in a hurry. I knew that. So I kicked into high gear in my studying. I would read six to eight books at one time, watch videos, movies, more videos, more church services, seeking God more and more. What is it you want me to do? Study the Bible more and more. Because I knew God had a plan for my life and my son. My son grew up in this since 10. God has a plan for your life. But get right with God. Even on the prayer team, Jan would humble herself at the altar. Upon being convicted by Steve of sin. And would go down get on her knees, ask God's forgiveness and spiritual cleansing. Even though I was on the prayer team, God was working a deep work in all of us. 
Many of the pastors would get on their knees on their face. We laid, I laid on the floor many times in a dress, face down. We were humbling ourselves before God. We didn't care what you thought, what the world thought. This was between us and God. It was as God himself, Jesus, had come into town and was right there talking to us. This spiritual training was touching Deborah. I still do it today. When I miss it, when I lie, which I still do every once in a while, not too often, when I get angry, when I get prideful, I humble myself. I ask God to forgive me. We have a long way to go, even after you have major transformation. Then after about a year on the prayer team and having many spiritual experiences as a prayer team member, we used to have to sit in the choir loft when Steve was preaching. We wore badges. We had to dress a certain way. We had to be at church early, sit in a room, get a partner. Listen to Steve. We would go out and after the praise and worship time, the choir would leave and we members would go sit in the choir loft. We had our assigned places. Eventually over the years, they had to open up another chapel on the campus and then they built another one. We had three different places. Then we had a cafeteria, which the children's church used. Some of us were back there. So we had we were spread out. Eventually, 5,000 people would come every night. And the prayer team had their positions. We had our team. We had coordinators. We had meetings. We saw a lot of the inner workings of the church, the leadership. We were spear points of the power. Mm-hmm. Some of us got in trouble. And we all had rules that we had to follow. Then I said, after about a year on the prayer team, and having many spiritual experiences, even at home, Jan would still get prayer herself, just to get a touch from God. Because when you were assigned to the prayer team, I only worked certain nights, like Friday night. That was it. So on Wednesday, Thursday, and Saturday, I was free to get prayer. And I did. Every night. And I would end up staying on the floor under God's presence for two and a half hours. So I made sure I got prayer right away. I laid on the floor in a dress. I had become, Jan, a full-blown drug addict for the presence of the Lord. And the glory blanket is what we called it. And more of him. And not even knowing at that time what all of this was, what it was doing inside of me, 
But Jan went seeking and found something that was so wonderful, glorious, and peaceful that changed my entire spiritual life forever. And it still does. Even though I thought that was Jan, it wasn't. It's Pastor Deborah reaching out through Jan, going after something that neither one of them had ever experienced. Yes, I was a multiple personality person. Didn't even know it. I was going after peace. My home life was a a mess. Grown up with a mentally ill mother, mentally ill brother, henpecked father, fights, verbal silence, suicide attempts, brother running away from home, stealing the car, no talking. I loved a peaceful house with nobody in it. I wanted peace. I had no education about sex, marriage, relationships, what I was to do in life, no guidance. Nobody talked. So I found the peace of the Lord I was looking for. But it was Deborah. Deborah was leading the way, but I didn't know it. Jan was going, but Jan was going to die. But I didn't know that either. But I was a drug addict seeking peace. I understand drug addicts. Even did them myself as Jan. Marijuana, uppers, downers, alcohol. Even sex, when you have the orgasm, the peace that it brings, I understood that because I was seeking it because I didn't have it and I wanted it. So I became a full-blown drug addict of the peace of the Lord. That's what they call it. The glory blanket was warm, gentle, peaceful. I knew I was laying on the floor could hear the music, people walking around you. Nobody ever fell and broke my glasses, never got hurt. Just me and God. He would come and visit me, cleanse me. I could hear him, sense him. I was in another world. Didn't know what the world was, but I was going after it every night. Then I'd come back and read my Bible and the words opened up. Understood a lot of things. It caused a lot of problems between me and my husband. He got angry one night. Physically attacked me because he said, ever since I got that Holy Spirit, I'm different. I was. And I asked him, I said, what turned you into a person like this? He was born and raised up in the Lutheran church. His father was Catholic. That was Satan coming through him. Jan was dying, being transformed. Deborah, touched by the power of the Holy Spirit, was coming alive. My life was changed. Even today, I'm a drug addict for the Lord and His touch.
You'll learn that I became dependent upon another human to get that. Just like a drug addict is relied on a drug dealer to get the heroin. Or the marijuana. Or the fentanyl. Or the cocaine. Or to have sexual pleasures. But God, one day, down the road from here, you'll learn. Told me I was never again to be touched by a human being to get his touch. I go, what? How am I going to get it? He said, I can touch you anywhere I want to. And I didn't believe him. You'll hear about that. Because he was depriving me. Because I had learned and had become dependent on humans for everything. Touch me to get the Lord. An altar call to get the Lord. Wait for the certain time of night after the preaching to get the Lord. Go to a building to get the Lord. Have an official prayer team member touch me to get the Lord. Because I can tell you, the first time we didn't have church service during Christmas, it was like a drug addict seeking heroin. Can't find it. I was a mess. So God was going to have to help me. But that's another story for another day. And I just want to end right here. So you get the picture of my beginnings. Being on the prayer team. Having God move through me to you. See, I was getting affected. Just like you go study Jeremiah. You listen to him. The fire of the Lord in your bones. Because it's the Holy Spirit in you. Bursting out to touch you. But I'm getting it. I'm a conduit. A partner. I'm in ministry. I wasn't even on staff. I didn't have a Bible diploma. I wasn't a pastor. I was just Jan. A licensed clinical mental health counselor. Who wanted to help people. You might be a nobody. In our children's church, led by Pastor Van, five-year-old children, God was moving through. Once I heard that, do you know what I did? Even after I was on the prayer team, everybody left. I'd go back to the children's church area, the cafeteria. It's torn down now. I'd get on my knees and ask a five-year-old child, even my own son at 10, touch me. Pray for me. Because I needed it. After it come through you, you're tired. I wanted it to come. I'd go to the children. I'd humble myself before a child. And and I would say, pray for me that God will touch me. I saw God using children. Children were praying for their own parents to be healed, and they were. Children were at the altar calls in their church, and they were. You go look at some of the videos with Pastor Van in Children's Church. The kids were getting touched by God and feeling his grief and calling him and humbling themselves. Five-year-olds, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds going after God, seeing God's vision. Watch the testimony of Whitley. Whitney Lane, who's seeing God and angels and pulling people out of hell. 
When God comes down, children are touched. Don't you ever think God will leave them out? They were being touched. God was all over this campus. People sometimes couldn't even get out of their cars because the power was so pressed. Couldn't even in line. They couldn't move. They were shaking. The presence of God, it's like a glory blanket had come down over the land itself. People walking by the church across the street would be touched. When God's presence pours itself out on a particular area, everybody is touched. God was doing a work. I'd never heard about this other than the Great Awakening. There was a Welsh revival. Things were happening. I studied history to learn about this. There was some prophecy about God pouring out here in Pensacola. I don't know much about prophecy or stuff, but I was here. God ordained it. Many of the people in the revival are dead now. When you go to it, I tell this lady in Georgia, Claire, we got a bullseye on our back. Satan cannot stand that God poured himself out here. He's trying to wipe out each and every one of us any way he can. So we cannot be testimonies to the power of God, the love of God, that this was real, that lives were changed. Satan is so angry. <clears throat> you will learn. He mounted an attack, sent in his people to take the revival down. He did. The attacks came. The Satanists came. The witches came. You'll learn all of that later. But right now, I'm going after the peace of the Lord. God is moving through Jan to touch people. And let's pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, touch them with your presence, wherever they are, so they'll believe that I am your partner, that you are still moving through me. Touch them, Lord, as you touched me. Pour out your peace. When they see this video, let them feel you coming through it. Ride on my words. Let them see and experience what I experienced at the Brownsville Revival, a touch of the glory blanket of the Lord, peace and presence change lives so that they may believe there is power in this video power coming from Pastor Deborah and the power is you and your great love for them in the name of Christ Jesus Amen okay I'll see you on the next part of this story it's time it should be number 9 talk to you time